welcome everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Every Day is a New Day show. My name is Kim O'Neill and today we are going to be talking about parenting a special needs child. I have a really wonderful guest who's going to be sharing so much and uh, we've already been talking about this. There's so much she could share that I've already planned to bring her back for a second show and it's going to be, uh, I'm so grateful and I know you will love it too. So with that said, before we move further, let's take a quick moment to shake off yesterday. Every day is a new day. Every moment is a new moment. And where do you have your greatest power? Where can you feel your best when you are bringing your energy into the present moment? I literally do this before every show and had to do it even before right now we just started. It's such a game changer to take a moment, pause, center yourself, take a deep breath, and allow whatever's been weighing you down to to be shaken off, to be released, to shift so that you can recenter, have your own clarity of thought, feel better and all of that. So, okay, let's begin now with a quote that I'd like to share with you. This one comes from Michael J. Fox. It is, acceptance doesn't mean resignation. It means understanding that something is what it is and there's going to be a way through it. In the last episode, we talked about hope, and that is going to resurface in today's conversation as well. So I wanted to share this quote with you. Acceptance does not mean resignation. And for, you know, I know there are those of you out there that are like, well, I don't have a special needs child, but I know today's conversation is going to be helpful for you too, and especially this quote. So keep that in mind. Acceptance is not the same as defeat. It allows you to move forward in bigger and better ways. So let me share a little bit about today's guest, and then we're going to bring her up on screen. Cheryl Jennings is the mother of a special needs son and has become known as the best friend to parents of other special needs children. She is an international speaker, best-selling author, and has taught adult education classes in Texas for parents and teachers of special needs children. Her video titled Why Communication Breaks Down in Families with Special Needs has been featured in two universities and on television. Cheryl has also gone on to be featured on over 133 podcasts and various platforms where she continues to be a valued resource for her expertise in the topic of parenting a special needs child. And today she's going to be right here with us to share more about this topic with us. So... Welcome, Cheryl. Hi, thank you. I appreciate being here, Kim. I'm so glad to have you here. <laughs> Cheryl, you know what? I, I want to just kind of revisit the quote I just shared a moment ago and see if you have any added thoughts you'd you know, like to, to add to this. Acceptance doesn't mean resignation. It means understanding that something is what it is and there's going to be a way through. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's such a good thought because... There are so many things in life that we wish we could change and we're not going to be able to change. And having the wisdom or whatever you want to call it to say, I know this isn't going to change. I'm just going to do the best I can is the perfect solution. Because if you're not going to change something, you can beat your head against the wall as long as you want to. But it isn't going to change one thing. So learning to accept the things we cannot change is so important. You know, that little prayer, you know, God help me uh, to change the things I can and then accept the things I cannot change. It's just very important. It is. I think that's called the serenity prayer. Yes, it is. 
Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Uh, you know, there have been times where I, you know, kind of, I'm going to make something change or try to resist it and try you. Right. And, and it's like, Oh my gosh, that's a, a losing battle. And so many solutions can open up once that you just say, okay, this is what it is from this place. What can I do rather than change what it is? So, okay. Thank you. Go ahead. In fact, let me just add something to that, Kim, because you made me think of so many people spend a lot of time going, why me, Lord? Why did this happen to me? And I try to help parents, no matter what your problem is, it doesn't have to be a special needs child. No matter what the situation is to say, why me is fruitless. Why not you? Why not somebody else? Or why be somebody else? But when you get the answer to it, what have you gained? Your biggest challenge is not what happens to you. It's how you deal with it. And one of the things I try to teach people over and over is your attitude may be the only thing you can change. And when it is, you either become a better person because of what you've gone through are you become a bitter person? And when you're bitter, nobody wants to be around you. So if you don't have many people coming around, you might check your ad to see, hmm, what am I doing? That's a really good point. I, and you actually made two points there that I want to highlight. So bitter or better. Oh my gosh, so true. And I love that you said, why not you in, cause in that I can hear people going, what? It's kind of a jolt, right? Because we're, yeah. it can be so common to hear or think, why me? Why me? But when you add that word, why not? You might think it's a negative and yet I instantly hear opportunity, possibility mm -hmm. here. Wait a second. There's something here. Why not you be the person? That was great. Yeah. So, okay. So let's get dive into our conversation. So, okay. Parenting, I, I mean, and, and I'm not a parent, but I have worked with special needs child's children and um, worked with kids in a variety of ways myself. So um, I know that parenting has a variety of its own challenges just all on its own. And then when you mix in, you know, having a special needs child, that's like a whole new ball game. So for those parents who might be feeling hopeless, how can they find hope when they might feel like none is left? You know, I have been thinking about this for a long time, and I, I've written about this, you know, 30 years ago even, because there's so many th facets of this. And first of all, I go back to when we were first given diagnosis. I mean, even before that, it took 14 months for us to find out what was wrong with our son. But the, every time doctors would talk to us, it was like, oh, put him away, forget you ever had him. And even five years ago, he is now 52. He was in a hospital and he was dying because they couldn't fix what was wrong. They were puncturing his internal organs. They knew he wasn't going to live. And a doctor opens the door, walks in and goes, sign this DNR right now. And I'm like, what? Oh, my God. And I could just see they were going to pull plugs on him. And she just was so pushy. And I said, well, uh, we haven't thought about that. I, I've signed papers for myself. I'm, I'm not ready to sign that for him. And she said, well, you need to. And I said, well, I want to talk to the doctor first. Cause she was just the hospitalist. She didn't, had never seen us before. Wow. And then she said, you don't have time to see him. And I definitely thought, 
what are they about to do? What's happening oh. to my son? He's laying there in a bed. And yes, he has special needs, but he was laying there hearing and seeing everything going on. And what he understands is beside the point. I think he understands more than he can communicate. So he was seeing how we were upset and crying. And I mean, I started crying. And then she points to him across the room and goes, look at him. He has no quality of life. Oh. And I just was like, I wanted to drop through the floor. I was ready to scream. And the we have a young man that helps us take care of him. He jumped out of his chair and he said, don't you say that about Blake. He has more uh, he has a quality of life and we enjoy him. And I'm telling you, for a parent to be told those things, many times they leave hospitals in tears, feeling hopeless. They don't know what to do. That's the authority that's now told them there is no hope. We were told numerous times, put him away, forget you had him, just go have some more kids. Like they're disposable. Give oh me a break. Wow. No, they're not disposable. And I have found that a lot of people feel that way. And so when you go home, you don't know who to talk to. Your family doesn't really understand what's happened. Even if you get a diagnosis, they don't know what's going on. You don't know anybody that's had this problem before. And you feel like you're all alone. And so the two of you start fussing. And sometimes you start, you're crying. Then you start thinking, well, maybe I should have taken all my vitamins and I missed some. I didn't have anything to do it. But in your mind, you start coming up with things, trying to figure out what happened. Why did this go wrong? And for us, I was in the hospital ready to deliver when they couldn't find the doctor. So somebody came up with the bright idea of giving me ether. And I wake up two hours later when he's just been born. I never knew they did not give him. Uh, I mean, he couldn't breathe when he was born. They gave him oxygen and never told me. That doctor was heading out on vacation. So he just said, everything's fine. He leaves town. Our son is put in a nursery. Nothing is done extra for him. And at that time, I was in the room about four hours before they brought him in the first time. In walks the nurse and she pinches him and says, look, this baby's got a temper. And all he did was try to cry. And I thought, what are you doing to my baby? Oh. Well, and then he couldn't suck. So those are two big, big clues. They should have known that he had wow. cerebral palsy. He had a lack of oxygen that caused it, but we didn't know. So they take him back and they say, oh, don't worry. We'll feed him some more. They take him back, do nothing else except maybe try to feed him. He's in a crib and all of a sudden about midnight, they realize he's turning blue. So no telling how long he went without oxygen again. So, I mean, we don't know those things. We are parents and they don't tell us everything. They don't explain things. And we don't even know what to ask. You know, we're, right. we're seeking answers, but we don't know questions. We don't know right. what to say. And, you know, except we're scared and we're thinking they know more than I do. No, they don't. And if ever I could instill in families, understand you're with your child 24-7. You see things they don't see, and I don't care how smart they are, they don't know everything, even if they pretend to. So just know that there is somebody out there that can offer that support. And if I could have my way, Kim, I would set up a program 
And I've just thought of this in the last few months that I wish I could set up a program as a consultant to go to hospitals, see how they handle things, even if it's for your parent or you, your spouse, somebody, they come in with some diagnosis that they don't explain or it's hopeless. And then to say, okay, here is what we found is wrong. So we're going to send in someone who is a counselor to see what your needs are. Let them come in and evaluate the situation. And then based on that, do they need help? Do they need counseling? Then let's have somebody that is available they can get. If you have a parent who has a special child that has a, a problem that you know another family that could help them, put them together. That's how yeah. we learn the most. Mm -hmm. Your support system is lacking in hospitals. No wonder they have problems with people wanting to get out of there and don't write good reviews. You know, we've got to change our conversations. Put the hope back in. Oh, Cheryl. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. And I, I I'm, I'm wondering, I, I feel like there's got to be something similar in some hospitals somewhere, but I, I imagine, right, there's not everywhere. And so I, I guess I hope for you that, that either more of that develops or you can create that and, and start to instill that in hospitals. That sounds like a great resource for sure. Well, I think it would be something that could catch on, you know, once yeah. it got started. But I don't think they realize, I don't think, I think they're so busy they're stressed out. They see people all the time. And if anybody is troublemaker to them, you know, asking for more help, they don't often see that it's because they're needing the help. They just think they're whining. And so the whole attitude about caring for people is something that we've got to learn how to deal with these situations at home, mm -hmm. other places, but even learn, okay, I have a neighbor. She's caring for her husband. Maybe I could go mow their yard or maybe I could go pick up groceries for them. Maybe I could go sit with him for an hour and read a book to him or just sit there so she can go and be by herself for an hour a week. Wouldn't that be a gift? <laughs> what a novel oh. idea. <laughs> but it's not. Those are easy things we just don't think about. And so the whole idea of educating people to understand how difficult it is to be stuck at home and feel like I can't go anywhere or I have to take somebody that can't really help me is one of the hardest things for parents or for uh, if you're caring for a parent to have to deal with is not to be able to be mobile. Wow. Well, uh, so <clears throat> Uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you, I think you already kind of touched on it, but I want to see if there's anything else you'd like to add to it. it. Do you have any other recommendations for parents who feel like they aren't quite getting the help that they need from their doctor or other experts? Yes, I certainly do. There are a lot of support groups that are out there. And I didn't realize how many until I started really focusing on how can I help people? Because for me, I realized that I didn't have that support system and it became very important to me to learn what have other people learned in the process of caring for somebody that we should be teaching somebody coming behind us or that we need to change to make it easier for them. They shouldn't have to have it harder because 
we're unable to change or we're unwilling to put in time and effort to do it. And when I was asked to do a radio program, I interviewed about 150 people and you were one of them, but I interviewed people to be able to find out what did they know that or learn that we do need to pass on. And then I wrote that book, you know, it takes courage to be a caregiver because I wanted to put things that I learned from all these different people in there. And so it covers, you know, if you have a child with a problem all the way up to, if your parent has Alzheimer's, I got some wonderful tips from people who were dealing with that PTSD, ALS, you know, no, no matter what it was, if it's um, Alzheimer's or autism, no matter, you know, my son has cerebral palsy, but I was focused on whatever causes somebody to have to care for another person. Let's share the information. Let's make it easier. I want to say that title, the title of your book again, so everyone knows uh, and they can go to Amazon and get that. So it's titled, It Takes Courage to Be a Caregiver, Answers and Tips for Caregivers of Parents, Special Needs, and Others, of course, by Cheryl Jennings. And Jennings is spelled G-I-N-N-I-N-G-S for all of our podcast <laughs> listeners. And um, and that's on Amazon right now, still, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, Cheryl, so there was there was uh, a word you used earlier that I think is really key to highlight. So when we were talking about the the doctors and just this assumption that parents may have about, well, they're they're the experts, you know, they know what they're talking about, they know what they're doing, and you know, two things were coming to mind as we were talking about all that is number one, it sounds to me like, especially in this area, maybe I guess of special needs, that. Um, Maybe the doctors or the hospitalists, they don't quite know where their shortcomings are. And to know that, Mm -hmm. right, like when you said Mm -hmm. the parents, you know, kind of needing more support, it sounds like it's not being identified as this person actually needs something. You need to tend to something. This isn't a cut and dry, you know, well, this isn't working. So then let's sign this paper. It sounds like they aren't quite aware of their shortcomings. And this showed up in the last interview I just did with someone, too. So I just have to say this is really good, Cheryl. Oh, my goodness. This is really good that these these, wow, these needs that people have in the world, and I mean, parents of special needs children, and and of course, the special needs children themselves, and hospitals, do hospitals really, you know, are they, it sounds like a light needs to be shed on where, like, you got, you guys need some more support in this area to care for your patients. Because um, it's hard. It's hard for them, because they think they know more. Right. But then when you get to know a doctor in a closer relationship, which we have, we'll find out that really they don't have much uh, knowledge of a lot of things because everything, I mean, you think how many things are wrong with people. They've got a little bit of a lot of things. Right. And so if they don't know, sometimes if the ego is a problem, they may just pass it off and go on and they have a, a pat answer for you or they don't know where any resources are and they really don't have time to think about it. They've got to hurry and get to the next patient. And, and that's where someone like you comes in and can really help out because you have had to do all this legwork yourself, be your own advocate for you, for yourself and your husband, your son, you know, uh, and of course many other parents now. And that brings me to the next point that, that you mentioned, use the word authority. And I feel like it's situations like this that can really bring a person to realizing that, wait a second, I can choose to be an authority in this situation too. And yes, there may be room to grow, stuff to learn, but 
don't rule yourself out just because you don't have the title, you know, with a PhD, you're not a doctor or whatever. You can learn and become the authority. And you need to. This is one of the misconceptions that I think as parents, we feel intimidated because we're not ready for it. I mean, you think about we're anticipating a joyous event. We're having baby showers. We're picking colors. We're, you know, we're so excited. Everybody wants to know, what did you find out the last time you visited the doctor? How much longer have you got? And we're all excited about this. And if back when we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl, if somebody asked I'd always say, I just want them to be healthy. Like I had the choice. No, I never had the choice. I never thought about it until it happens. And I think sometimes life is like that. We just, we're just moving along at a speed that we don't stop to think about what we're saying or what we're expecting to happen. And so sometimes those speed bumps can get in the way. But as parents, learn everything you can. I had to go to the library and search out books. I found a book, Kim, when our son was two years old, written in 1948. And it said there was a school across country. So on our vacation, we go across country to go see what is this school? We went there. He was not even two years old, but we didn't have help where we were. And our doctor, we'd finally gotten to know well enough that he said, you know, we really didn't study cerebral palsy. So I'll help you with what I can. But he was I mean, we didn't blame him. We just knew it was up to us. So anyway, doing all the research, we go up there, we visit this school and we're like, Wow. We we didn't even know if he knew who we were. We were having to hold him. He didn't have head support and little babies almost as soon as they're born can hold their head up. He never did. For years, we're holding him in our arms. And if we prop him up, he falls over. We could prop with pillows. He still would fall over because it just wasn't there. Well, during that time, I can tell you that was a good thing because we learned to kiss on him and hug on him. And we 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 really he is close to us still he loves his daddy so much because his daddy held him a lot and especially when i got where i couldn't hold him like that but anyway we go to the school and then we go wow this would really help and they're going yeah but you have to you know it's going to cost more than we made for three hours three days a week more than we made total if we gave them our whole check So then they said, but if that's a problem, go to United Cerebral Palsy. So we go to them and they go, well, we can help you, but you have to be a resident of the state for a year first. But don't let that stop you. If that's a problem, (sighs) then we'll help you find friends and relatives and different ones that will help a little bit until we can make up the difference in there. And then that afternoon, we're offered a job. We went back home to Tennessee thinking, wow, you know, God just sent us a note from heaven. It felt like, you know, to get a school, the funding possibility and a job. So we go back, we load up, we're ready to go. I go back to let him go through the pre-testing. And one of those four, five doctors that I had to take him to looked in his eyes 15 seconds and said, there's no hope for him. Just might as well put him away, forget you had him. And I was like, what, what he's, how can you say that? We just, we're moving across state. I mean, across these states to be here. And he's, well, there's no hope for him. And I'm like, he said, I'm going to tell him not to even accept him in the school. I was like, how can you do that? 
I said, at least in Tennessee, we had therapy once a, once every two months. We had to drive 100 miles for it. And he said, if you want therapy, go get it for yourself. It ain't going to help him. He's not even two years old yet, Kim. And he's telling me that. Do you know how many times I've wanted to go back and say, look, doctor, you know, this is the one you thought wouldn't do nothing. And when he was about, I guess, in his tw early 20s, we ended up getting some help in a residential school because my health had broken down. And I, that's another whole long story of a lot of terror. But anyway, one of the therapists there worked with him with art and she taught him, you know, she just was helping him that she said, I do nothing with the paper. I help him with, let him choose colors. And then she gave him a paintbrush that would paint a house. And then everything he did, they could sell immediately. He got to decorate 14 Southern Dental Clinics in Houston. Texas A&M recognized him as a special artist. He's got art out in Washington State at the uh, Seattle in the medical center out there. And his art, people would call and say, this is what I want. And she could hear what they said, help him get the colors. And I had some of them say, that exactly matched my curtains when it came in. And I was like, yay. And, you know, then uh, when we moved to Oklahoma, somebody knew about him. They said, you need to have an art show. They went to the museum. We got to put his art in the museum. And I went back to Texas to figure out how did you do this? What do I need to do? And I had to get a young man to help me take him uh, so we could make the trip. And when we came back, you know, I started letting him paint some more and we matted and framed pictures. He had 78 when it was time to open the show. The curator was putting this stuff up. I was helping him and he was going, I don't know why we're doing this. He's disabled. Nobody knows who he is. Why are we doing this kind of an art show? And I thought, hmm, well, we'll see. A day later, the doors open. We have 200 people that come in. We have friends and family that come from six different states. Some of the people that knew him when he was young, hadn't seen him in 17 years, drove because they were like, Blake can paint? What? How can this be? So they came to see him. People were lining up with the number of a picture and saying, what number did you get? I don't want to get the same one you're getting. If I need to go get another one, I will. He sold 30 paintings that day and the art museum was getting a lot of this money. See, and then he was very ill. We end up having him down, you know, in Texas in a hospital by the end of the week, having to have surgery. But before the end of the month, he had sold 40 paintings. That museum was beside themselves. They said, we've never sold more than one or two paintings from anybody, no matter how famous they are. See, people need to say, I don't know. Okay, maybe there's hope. Instead of saying there is no hope. And that's why I say you as a parent start looking at anything that's positive about your child find the things that are good not everything that's wrong that needs to be fixed because you're not going to fix it all right and don't waste your time on a lot of things that are not going to be fixed anyway but find what they're good at and encourage that to grow and to change so what if they always have to be cared for they don't need to know time and money they don't need to know how to do everything somebody's going to help them
But boy, if they can do something like paint, that was like a door opening. And it gave him so much pleasure. But the people that saw what he did have had so much pleasure in being able to have some of his paintings. Even the mayor of his little town would buy note cards and it would have his, you know, splats of paint on there. He would send those as personal messages to people. I mean, Cheryl, you know what that does for me? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Happy mom. Happy mom. Cheryl, I, I, I wish, and we'll have to, I would love to do this next time if there's an opportunity for it. I would love to actually showcase, you know, one of, uh, yeah, some pictures of his art. Cause that is, that's, such a wonderful story that you shared there. I love that. And what I also want to bring forth for everyone from that is not only is there always hope, I mean, clearly there are hidden talents and I believe everyone has hidden talents. Some are obvious and some are hidden. And so I love that you say, you know, look for them, figure out what they are. And, and it may be, maybe painting or it might be something else. Like, you know, don't, don't judge what you see show up. What's unique about that person. That's a gift. And I want to add that, uh, just because one person doesn't believe, just because five doctors don't believe, if you believe that is what matters. I mean, Cheryl, you, you are also a gift. You and your husband are a gift to your son to be able to help him flourish and blossom and have this art career and fame from his <laughs> art. I mean, that's, that is so special. So Oh, Cheryl, I absolutely love talking to you. And I know you you know that we could talk more and we have more to talk about, but we're going to have to go ahead and wind, wind down here. And so that's why we are going to absolutely bring you back to talk more about this. I know you have you have tips for parents. Um, we're going to talk even more about um, communication with parents and, you know, trusting your instincts and things like that. We'll do that all next time. Do you have any final words you'd like to share before we wrap up? I'll have one little short quote. Yeah. Happiness is a state of mind, not circumstance. And for us as parents that have problems that are going on, no matter who you are, everybody's got problems. If you can realize that it's within you, not to have everything straightened out, but to have you change your attitude, that will make it so much better. So I, I appreciate you having me on. If anybody wants to go to my website, just go to Cheryl-Coaches.com and get a free gift. If Cheryl-Coaches, okay. That's all, that's all it is, Cheryl-Coaches. And on there, there are some, there's an ebook for parents or uh, if you have special needs, it talks about the top problems that parents face. But if you're caring for a parent, there's also something else for you. So go there. I am I am always glad to share whatever I can. Thank you for awesome. having me, Kim. You're so welcome, Cheryl. And I just, for our audio only listeners, I want to spell that out. So Cheryl-Coaches.com is C-H-E-R-Y-L hyphen coaches, C-O-A-C-H-E-S.com. So definitely check Cheryl out and... Cheryl, I'm going to go ahead and put you down in the lobby and I'll be right there and see you again so we can say our goodbyes. But thank you again so much for being here today. Thank you, Kim. Oh my goodness. So what are you taking away from today's conversation? And again, I ask this of, you know, whether you are a parent of a special needs child or someone who's not, what are you taking away? 
the power of belief. I'm going to share some of my takeaways. The the power of believing in uh, in yourself. The power of believing in those you love, those you care about. The the power of your ability to become the expert on your own situation, become the authority on your own situation. That uh, regardless how many people with titles are going to say, "There's no hope. Give up." and share whatever other negative talk. And I, I get that they may think they're coming from a certain place, right? But when you know what, this does not make sense, you don't have to give up. And and I hope you will hope just always know that there's always, always, always hope. So we're going to go ahead and end the show here. But I just want to thank you so much for being here today. Remember that every day is a new day. Wherever you are today does not have to be where you are tomorrow. Wherever you were yesterday does not have to be what you embody and embrace today. Remember to take a moment to shake off whatever's weighing you down because every moment offers another opportunity to shift into new possibilities. Why not you? I love that Cheryl said that. Okay, remember to check out her book. I'm gonna put it on the screen again, really, really, really quick here. It's kind of covering my face. It takes courage to be a caregiver. Check that out on Amazon. Have an amazing day, everybody. I'll see you all again very, very soon. Give me a second here while I close out. Here we go. Here it is. Bye.